Daytona 500 beer crack. A Monday mm. Daytona 500. That's right. Welcome back to another episode of Stacking Danny, second one of the season. William Byron in victory lane for the Daytona 500, followed by his Hendrick Motorsports teammate Alex Bowman. Triggered last uh, last lap crash triggered by, of course, Ross Chastain taking out Austin Sendrick and us not getting a race to the finish. They called that race since the uh, leaders took the white flag. William Byron awarded the winner or the, the, the champion or named the winner of the race. Christopher Bell, Corey LaJoy, Bubba Wallace rounding out the top five. Pretty, uh, pretty exciting race. Again, Jordan McAbee. I'm Jordan McAbee of Rotoballer. Nick Giffen of the Action Network. You can find my content at rotoballer.com. Use code Jordan24. Nick's content over at fantasylabs.com. For all DFS content, betting content, always on the Action Network, the Action app, and follow us both on Twitter. Nick, what did you think of that Daytona 500, even though neither of us hit that million dollars in the Millie Maker for, on DraftKings? What did we think of that race? Yeah, honestly, um, it, as far as the Millie goes, um, I was pretty happy with my strategy. Uh, mm-hmm. It didn't obviously didn't work out. And, you know, I think I placed 67th out of, uh, I don't remember what the, I, it kept changing. And I haven't even gone back and looked what my final like top place was, but it was definitely in the top 100. So top 100 out of 100,000 people is really damn good, but mm-hmm. it's not good enough. You basically have to, like we've talked about, basically have to win the Millie to make money on that. Uh, so um, obviously lost some money, but uh, you know, I think I like my strategy as far as the race. I enjoyed the race. I thought it was a very good Daytona race, but I agree with the drivers that the fuel save thing is probably um, a frustrating and B it made it a lot more tame um, overall, right? We only saw five mm-hmm. cautions total with one of them being the race ending caution. Uh, if you hit that under eight and a half cautions bet with me, uh, uh, congratulations there, by the way, uh, I know I didn't track that one in the action app. I know there's been consternation about that, but that was more like uh I think this is good value, but I don't really have a model for it. So I don't really want to track it in the app or anything like that, even though I could have custom picked it. But a lot of us were on it. Um, but uh, yeah, made for a tame, tame race, but uh, an interesting one. Uh, obviously, there weren't, uh, a, there wasn't a driver that led a whole bunch of laps. So if you also had the under 73 and a half for most laps led by any driver, um, but that's just kind of how. Daytona is you're not really going to get guys that lead a whole bunch of laps even in the tame ways because we have all sorts of different pit strategies we have different stages then of course everybody in stage three loses their mind anyway and that was some hard ass racing in stage three even um even though they stayed green pretty much the whole time until nine laps to go that whole third stage was very hard racing uh and i thought everybody uh you know that did a really good job of keeping it clean up, up until super crunch time Mm-hmm. Yeah. Overall, like, you know, obviously it sucked that this, this race got postponed Sunday mm-hmm. or to Monday due to the rain, but we got the full race in, you know, that was good. They, I'm glad that they called it early on Sunday. You know, I think it was 10 AM when they, when they said, Hey, we're not racing today. It's going to be a yeah. Monday race. Didn't make people sit around all day when it was just going to rain all day. Uh, but, but as far as the racing overall, like you said, um, you know, we had that early wreck that, that took out, um, Hosevar, Burton, Grala, Austin Dillon was involved in it. Mm-hmm. But other than that, yeah, it was a very tame race right up there till the end, which we've seen with this car, uh, with this next gen car. It, 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 and I, and I think it's, it's partially to do with the car as well. 
But like you said, a lot of cars, a lot of drivers were, were fuel saving there. And that, that added to, um, just how this overall race played out. But what we're seeing with this new car is a lot, we're still seeing the big wrecks. We're still going to have those, but, um, but like your bet for, for number of cautions under, um, and, and I, I bet the, um, drivers to complete a hundred or more laps Mm -hmm. under on three and a half. It's the same kind of mindset. Like these are becoming tame races, even though we're still getting those big wrecks, but overall it's still Daytona. It was still, you know, we got Corey LaJoy getting his first ever top five at Daytona, which, yeah. which is awesome. You know, he's been a super speedway stud in fantasy NASCAR over the years. John Hunter Nemechek coming home seventh, Eric Jones coming home eighth. I know both of us bet uh, over one and a half Toyotas inside the top 10. There ended up being four of them in the top eight. So yeah. um, solid there. There were no Fords uh, until G- Noah Gregson at ninth, Noah Gregson top Ford. At Daytona, which Joey Logano, uh, I don't think you can argue that Joey Logano had the best car in that race. He, that car was an absolute rocket ship. He got taken out. Kyle Busch had another very fast race car. Uh, even when he had his, uh, his tire issue with it, not on, he drove right back up through the field, got to the front. Um, so just some noteworthy things there as we move on to yet another pseudo speedway race this weekend at (laughs) Atlanta, uh, and, and even moving on to, you know, the other Talladega and Daytona races later this year on who was fast. You want to, you want to know some guys that I also noticed were really fast that I like now. Um, heading into Atlanta and additionally, um, like I said, Talladega and Daytona that did not get the finishes they deserve. And they're not going to get the love that they deserve probably from touts and everybody else playing DFS. One of them, Jordan, I don't, I don't want to know. Gosh, (laughs) of course uh, I want to (laughs) know. One of those guys is, and I, and the reason this stuck sticks in my head so much is I was so heavy on him in DFS and he had such a fast race car, Josh Berry, that four car was fast. And, you know, he, they got that penalty, him and, uh, priest got those penalties. They kind of got screwed there and got stuck a lap down. Didn't get the, the caution at the right time. Josh Berry had a really fast car and I'm really interested to see what he can do at Atlanta. Uh, and same for our boy, Todd Gilliland. He was yeah. up there. Oh, he was, he Gilly, was, he was leading the race. Great. Yeah. Gilly looked great. Once again, had a super fast car. He got wrecked, uh, led 16 laps. I mean, that's, that was third most in the race. Todd Gilliland led third most laps in the race. Um, so very fast race car there again, uh, your pulmonary pick of the week, Zane Smith comes home 13th. Um, another, I'm excited to see what those spire spire cars are able to do at Atlanta this weekend, because that's a little more, you know, and we'll get to Atlanta a little bit later and, and, um, and see where that goes. But yeah, pulmonary pick of the week comes home 13th after starting 14th. Um, but overall, like you said, uh, I think you and I had very similar DFS strategies when it came to the Millie maker, when it came to, to, talent or daytona and i i lost i think a couple hundred bucks two three hundred dollars uh from what i played but i was extremely happy with my strategy and my main strategy and i, I think both of ours main strategy was being underweight on ryan blaney just because he yeah. was going to be so high owned uh and, and that ended up working out uh and obviously you know fading logano fading the top guys and and it ended up being, you know, we did a live stream on Sunday before the race or, uh, uh did we do it Sunday or Monday? We did it Sunday. We did um, it Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Talking, talking strategy. And it pretty much played out how we thought we were going to, it was going to there with, with ownerships. And it mm-hmm. goes back to our point last week of being able to predict other people and what they're going to do. These guys that started in the back, Noah Gregson 
was not as high owned as he should have been. Anthony Alfredo was not as high owned as he should have been. Same with Hemrick, Herbst. Hemrick ended up in the winning lineup, I believe. I think he ended up in the Millie Maker winner. Uh, yeah. Hemrick did. Uh, you yep. know, obviously, uh, Corey LaJoy, he, he got a decent share of ownership, but did not get a ton. Um, so, like, it's still the 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 lower named guys are still not getting the love especially when you have high or, or big name guys there in the back yeah the, the yeah, winning uh, my ownership projections were pretty darn accurate i know yours were yeah. too it was like yeah. just we talk about it all the time it's so much easier <laughs> to predict ownership percentage than the race outcome uh and you know with only 150 entries into the million i say only because there's a hundred over a hundred thousand entries or around that 150 is not a lot, right? It's uh, a very small amount. If I could build a thousand lineups, I, I feel like I would have ended up on the winning lineup for sure. You know, it's just one of those things where of those, if I built a thousand, I can only pick 150 and then you just really sh sh shrink your sample size. So um, loved my strategy in the Million Maker, our, our, your strategy. I know uh, I was able to see, um, you know, when the contest started, see your 30 lineups there. I think you had something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, we both obviously we had similar strategies, right? We play the guys in the back, we play the guys in the front a little less, and we pick one or two guys to get some leverage on. Uh, you know, I know both of us were really low on Blaney. Um, I know I was at least uh, kind of heavy on the Toyotas at the front, which were, and when mm -hmm. I say kind of heavy, I was still under on Denny Hamlin, but heavy compared to what I projected him optimally. So I went over the optimal on Denny Hamlin, but was still underweight on him uh, in terms of compared to the field. But I just liked those Toyotas. I like Denny Hamlin. I like Eric Jones. Uh, and I liked uh, even uh, Ty Gibbs uh, a, a good amount there. So um, my strategy was of the guys starting up front, I was going to take the Toyotas. I was going to fade Kozlowski, uh, fade Ryan Blaney in the back, and uh, pretty much just play everybody else from the back to the front in a de decreasing percentage. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of, you know, like I said, Daniel Hamrick was uh, both of our projections ownership wise. I feel like we're really close. Uh, I, I, I think I missed on three or four guys that I was kind of, you know, like 5% off, but everything else super close. Mm -hmm. Daniel Hamrick was 13.6% owned starting 37th in a college racing yeah. car at Daytona. Like that's all I need to know for how dumb <laughs> the majority of DFS players still are uh, yeah. because he was my highest owned driver in the in all the lineups i made daniel hamrick was my yeah, number he was one. right up there for me um i don't yeah. remember exactly who was but he was right up there in my top three or four mm -hmm. well my, over 30 percent. <laughs> yeah my top four was hemrick gregson david reagan kyle bush top four right there so like like you said i i very happy with strategy very happy i mean i put 30 entries in the millie maker so i knew i was going to lose that but uh my other contests i did just fine outside of yeah. outside of that so happy with that happy to move on to atlanta um and get daytona out of the way but atlanta's a little bit more <laughs> of the same exactly um, yeah yeah <clears throat> uh, like i said um cory lajoy um got his first top five at daytona uh surprising to say that i thought he had one before that he has two at atlanta one at talladega so he now has four yeah. all four of them at super speedways um or pseudo speedways. Did you did you hear his comments after the race in regards to the the Cindric wreck? Yes, I heard and saw the the comments. Yeah, I I didn't realize that those two didn't really like each other that much. Yeah, I had no idea either until until the there's comments. No yeah. respect there. Yeah, no. Corey LaJoy just straight up saying we're not friends is 
That's that was yes. just something I, I noticed that. So yeah, huh. I liked it. Um, pretty wild. Any other pretty wild? Any other crazy takeaways from Daytona? Once again, Austin Hill won the Xfinity race. That that, that guy is just yeah four leaf clover up his ass. But um, no, I mean honestly, it. It the race kind of the the Daytona 500 kind of went as expected. I I figured mm-hmm. there'd be under eight and a half cautions. I didn't think there'd be five, but um, you know we definitely need to consider this extreme fuel saving aspect. Uh, but in the end, you know for Daytona or for a playoff cutoff race, uh, which uh, I don't think we're having now at this point, but you, I don't you know remember the the schedule here. Yeah, Daytona is not the playoff cutoff race anymore. Mm-hmm. It's Darlington that is. Um, but they're still going to be pushing hard as hell at Daytona, these guys that may have their last-ditch effort to to win. So in these kind of crazier Daytona races, I wouldn't necessarily say Talladega, they're still just going to wreck at the end. Like, it's still just mm-hmm. going to happen. It may just be later and later into the race unless things change with this fuel mileage stuff. Uh, it, 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 there was a point in time where A.J. Omdinger was catching a full 30-car yeah. pack because they were saving so much and AJ Allmendinger was by himself on the track, like gaining two seconds a lap on the pack. I mean, that's just ridiculous. I liked it though, because he was getting fastest laps and I was heavy on him. Yeah, DFS. exactly. I was and heavy then, on him yeah. too. I've messaged you. I was like, we're racking up a few fastest laps here. Dinger. <laughs> yeah. He ended up with, uh, with 12 fastest laps in that, which race. is almost unheard of at this, uh, this race. Yeah, it's very it's rarely on the do high we see side. double digits. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, other than that, you know, Austin Hill, obviously, like I said, he won the Xfinity race. I saw a lot of comments about he deserves a cup ride and all this. And I just, I don't see him as a, as a surefire cup star. Like, I, I don't understand. No. There's a he's difference a, between being very good at super speedways and being talented and he's, enough he's to good be a cup at driver. other tracks too. Like he's won a couple non-super speedway races, but it's few and far between. Like, it's not mm-hmm. like he's... He's not like pulling like a Ty Gibbs or a Noah Gregson and winning three or four or five a year uh, outside of super speedways. He's winning one or two uh, outside of super speedways a year. So um, obviously right now he's the premier super speedway racer in the Xfinity series. But uh, we'll have to see how it if and how that translates to the Cup series because he has had a couple of Cup starts and uh, they haven't gone particularly well. If I remember correctly, I don't have his results up in front of me, but um, I will say so. William Byron won, mm-hmm. and remember who I picked to win on this show. <laughs> yep, I picked William Byron. Getting that, so. getting that, and and what's funny, I picked Chastain, who was also up there close yeah, to win. Exactly. But you you start yeah. off the season with a win with the stack and Denny's pick, and let's go ahead. Oh, I was just say I had bets on both. Uh, obviously, I uh, forgot to track the William Byron one, and that's uh, it is what it is. It happens. I, it was our mine and Stevie. Uh, our victory lane pick. That is our combined pick. We both picked that. So if you're listening to this podcast and you listen to Running Hot, our victory lane pick means Stevie and I are on that bet. Both. Period. Uh, that is, uh, it's always been the case on Running Hot. And so I definitely bet it, but I always have to like wait a couple hours for the show to come out. Um, I, we record it in the morning, comes out in the afternoon, late afternoon. Uh, and in that time, I, ha- I can't track it because I don't want the line to move. I know as soon as I track it, the line's going to move. And I don't want 
the line to move before the podcast comes out because then people will be like, well, you gave out a line that doesn't exist, right? So mm-hmm. uh, it's one of those things. Maybe I'll just start tracking them when we record it instead. And uh, the only problem is then it, you know, part of my job is to get listeners, to get viewers, to get whatever. And so if I nuke all the lines before the podcast comes out, there's no point in listening to the podcast. Or if I give all my picks in the app before the podcast comes out, nobody's going to listen to the podcast. So uh, it's one of those tricky situations. And I just straight up, I tracked the four bets from turns one, two, three, and four and just forgot about victory lane. So mm. it was what it is. But I was definitely on Byron. Um, I even threw a live bet on him, Jordan. I know you saw that I sent you the ticket that I threw live bet on. Problem is I couldn't track that either because I'm not allowed to track a line that moves. And my bet moved the the line on William Byron. Uh, so uh, I, I was able to track the bubble one. My bet didn't move the bubble Wallace line. I did. I made a bubble live bet as well when he was 30 to one late in the race there. Uh, so I had a William Byron live bet. I just couldn't track it. So, you know, I had a, I had a fine day, but let the record show in the action app that I was minus 8.2 units. Um, mm-hmm. one of those includes, and I know we'll talk about this includes the Tyler Reddick bet I made on FanDuel that got canceled, but I'm still leaving it up mm-hmm. in the app. I'm not asking them to delete it or anything. So, you know, it's actually a little better than 8.2. Also the book that I took. AJ Allmendinger top five at graded it as a win because he was originally scored fifth before they corrected no it to way. sixth. Yeah. So, uh-huh. I mean, that was nine to one. That was a full unit. So I actually had a super positive Daytona 500. But if you're following me in the action app, some of you did well if you hit the AJ Allmendinger nine to one. Some of you did really well if you followed my untracked bets that were, you know, the under 73 and a half, the, the ones that I, I kind of gave out, but I didn't want to track because like, they're not really like things I'm modeling, um, so to speak, but maybe I should just start tracking them. I don't know. Uh, it's like, or, and then the ones I wrote up, uh, you know, I wrote up Hendrick Motorsports to win plus 450. That for me, it was not a bet for me. I didn't even bet that myself. I wrote it up in, even in the article, it said like, if you have not made a bet yet, this is some of the last value I'm showing. So make this bet. And I just didn't want to add to my card because I already had William Byron and Kyle Larson outright. So I didn't need to add the Hendrick bet because I had half of them covered. Uh, and then, um, you know, the under eight and a half cautions, that kind of stuff. Joey Logano over 10 and a half. I did track that one, um, but you get the idea. I tracked some of these. I didn't track some of these because the finishing position, I have a model for it. I mean, that's the whole point of my projections is to project finishing position distributions, but I, I don't have a model to project, uh, you know, I mean, I guess I do for laps led, uh, actually, but I don't have a model to project, um, you know, number of cautions or that kind of stuff. So I, I just didn't track a couple of them. And then obviously just forgot on the Byron one. But if you followed me, if you tailed my bets at the books, I, you know, uh, tracked in the app, the Almondinger one. I mean, technically I should have that graded as a win. I could go back and ask the team to grade it as a win. I'm not going to, um, because the book I tracked it at, Great as a win. <laughs> so, That's... um, and, and I'm leaving the Reddick, like I'm, I'm making my record look as bad as possible and I'm still up on the air. I've picked all four winners this year. Uh, mm-hmm. if, if you count Byron, if you don't, then I've picked three or four, but I mean, I gave it out on a podcast as my victory right. lane pick. There's, there's receipts, <laughs> there's, there's records. So, mm-hmm. uh, speaking of speaking of, well, I don't want to get into William Byron yet. I have a few things to say about William Byron. It's actually going to be my part of my wine about it. So I'll keep it for that. But I want you mentioned live betting, and I was very surprised. I was watching the live betting lines uh, during the race, particularly on FanDuel. I was watching, um, and we'll get to the FanDuel controversy here in a second as well. 
But mm-hmm. FanDuel, I could not believe where they were keeping lines for guys running up front. Uh, I know you hit, you sent me your ticket of William Byron. You got him at like plus 3250 or something, I believe. Yeah. 35 yeah. to 1. Yeah. So I was watching, I got, I, I, I bet Cindric live when he was up front with like 20 laps to go mm-hmm. at 40 to 1. He was yeah. still sitting there at That's 40 insane. to 1. William Byron was still 35 to 1 when he was up there after you mm-hmm. sent me your screenshot. I just, I stupidly, stupidly did not bet it um i obviously I, well it's funny because when i sent you the screenshot i i had bet it and it as soon as i bet it it moved um mm-hmm. so it 100 percent just moved on my bet maybe it went back at some point and i didn't see it but that's why i didn't track it i would have absolutely tracked it but um and i can't give the pick out because i don't have time to give like i can't run to my computer type on discord i don't have discord on my phone so i can't like run to my laptop type up on discord or tweet it out or whatever uh, i mean i guess i could tweet it because i have twitter on my phone but for me i gotta take care of myself first i gotta make the bet first and as soon as i make the mm-hmm. bet the line moved uh so it's just one of those shitty things it's like whatever but um and again i don't count that in my results like i it, when i show my graph on the action network app it's just of the things i've tracked in the app obviously we've if you followed me for long enough, you know, I'm, I've won even more off untracked bets and stuff like that. And that's just how it goes. Uh, my official record is what's in the action network app. And I, I made it look as bad as possible this week, <laughs> but I was just surprised, um, with FanDuel yeah. and, and really all these books, how slow they were. Mm-hmm. Typically they're pretty sharp on, on during in live. So I'm hoping yeah. that this continues throughout the season. I don't think it, it will be great just because this was Daytona. Oh yeah. It'd be, it'd great, be great for, for Atlanta. Atlanta. But um, they also, when Almondinger went two laps down, they had him at 200 to one. He got his lap back and then got the free pass to get on the lead lap. And he was still 200 to one. FanDuel left wow. him out there. So wow. it was just, it's it very interesting to see how slow they were. But mm-hmm. that's going to segue us nicely into this whole um, FanDuel controversy and what went on there. Um, I think we might be, we might have a little different opinions on this. So uh, for those of the, those of you that don't know, that didn't see everything being said on Twitter and, and spreading around, and if you weren't personally affected about, with this, I actually had a friend text me uh, when Chastain was leading because he bet on Chastain. Now that he, he's a big Bush Light drinker, so he always just bets on the Bush Light car. And uh, <laughs> he texted me and he goes, what the fuck did FanDuel cancel my bets for? And I was like, oh, he's like, I bet on Chastain and he's leading with, you know, five laps to go or whatever. And I was like, yeah, FanDuel's house rules state that if a if a, an event gets postponed and it doesn't restart or doesn't start within 24 hours of the scheduled time, all of their all the bets are void. And where yeah. this really hurt people was when they if they got early lines that were good, um, or if they used bonus bets, uh, FanDuel just voided those bonus bets and you and you didn't get them back. You're just yeah. you're just screwed. Plus, FanDuel just lost a ton of money, <laughs> like. And they did this because their house rules said they had to. And the only only other book that had rules that stated something similar was Bet Fred, and they didn't. They kept they kept all their previous bets on it, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm surprised because I could go like I I bet yeah, Kyle you could Bush litigate that. I I bet Kyle Bush at 18. I could go back and say, hey, this this should have been voided. I should get my money back. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not going to because I made the bet. I like the line. I like, like yeah. that's that's yeah. not going to be me. But for those that are 
mad at FanDuel. I understand that. And I understand that their house rules suck and they should probably change those. But in this particular particular scenario, they had to do that. They're, oh, 100% they, they had to. This there was no a, this question they a, had to. This wasn't a question of could we could they not do it? Bet, Bet Fred is small enough that they could not do it and get away with it. FanDuel could yep. not have done that. Right. So Agree. I understand people are upset at FanDuel. I don't think they should be upset at FanDuel for doing that, though. They should be upset. At no, FanDuel I hundred percent agree for with having that. those house rules. FanDuel in place had to do what they had. They they absolutely had to. Yeah, but um, obviously the frustration was the rule itself because it's a dumb fucking rule. Like it's just dumb. You mean to tell Overall, me because the race got delayed one the, one day? Yeah, I I get it if it's more than a week or like for me the optimal rule would be if. This race isn't run before the next race. We're going to yeah. avoid bets on it, right? You know what I'm saying? Um, that would be the optimal rule. There's some books that do 72 hours. There's some that do a week. It doesn't matter to me. We've never had a race run more than 72 hours after just from weather. You know what I mean? The only maybe other times it's happened has been like COVID or 9-11 or what, you know, like insane batshit situations that rarely come up, which makes sense to avoid them then. Uh, but those have all been, if they're more than 72 hours, they've also all been more than a week. (laughs) So it's like, okay, let's just like the 24 hours is dumb. Uh, we get rainouts all the time and you know, it, it's just a bad rule. And FanDuel is probably kicking themselves because they lost all their handle, all of it voided, all of it. And uh, you know, especially with William Byron winning, I'm, he wasn't one of the three most bet guys, at least from bet MGM. I assume it was probably similar with FanDuel, etc. Mm-hmm. Like they lost money. Uh, they may have made money off the bets they did end up taking after reopening lines, but they lost money because they probably voided millions of dollars of bets. Um, obviously not Super Bowl amounts, but hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars of bets. I don't know how much they handle they take, but it's certainly their biggest race of the year. Uh, it is the single biggest race that will be bet on for NASCAR this year. And they had to avoid all of it. And it, and then only take bets for, a, a, you know, a day, less than a day. And then on top of that, people don't want to bet with them after that because yep. A, they're pissed. And B, when FanDuel reopened lines, they reopened them with the highest hold out there. And we made sure to tell people, you know, this is a 33 point whatever percent hold. This is the highest out there and a full 8% higher than BetMGM, than Superbook, than Circa. And Circa even got down to 20% hold. Uh, so it's like, and I don't care if you don't have Circa or Superbook. Like, if you have BetMGM, that's that's uh, 8% less hold that you're betting into than FanDuel had. And, you know, the, obviously they had to do it to try to recoup money because... They got they had to avoid all their their handle, but uh, at that point, you know, I mean, the way to entice more bets would be to do like Circa and have a twenty percent hold. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's just I think there's going to be some changes there around the NASCAR rules uh, at some point in the near future with FanDuel. I would bet. I would hope so. Uh, hopefully, they're smart enough to realize what happened there and then change it. But I'm also not confident that they are. Because of just right everything that FanDuel does, I feel like is just dumb. They have a great user interface. Their app is awesome for casual betters. And a lot of my friends use FanDuel just because of how easy it is mm-hmm. and how 
fun it is to watch. Like they, they were the first one with the, like the moving when you bet props and yeah. making it actual, like kind of fun to watch if you were, if your bet was close to hitting. Yeah. Um, so they're great at the actual user interface of their app, mm-hmm. but some of those policies are just, are dumb. And, and it is, it's going to turn away a lot of, a lot of experience betters. Uh, unless, you know, obviously there's a crazy good line on FanDuel. You're probably going to go yeah. bet somewhere else. And I personally, I never really bet with FanDuel. Like I rarely bet with FanDuel um, yeah. just because their NASCAR lines really aren't that great. So uh, I could probably count on one hand how many FanDuel bets I made last year. So, yeah, I mean, uh, sometimes they have good lines. Like they had the best line on Reddick, which, of course, ended up getting voided. It just depends. It's always different at different times of the week. And like last year, this is my other gripe with FanDuel. Remember last year they offered like, you know, mm-hmm. no a driver to win. Not not to win two stages or more, you know what I mean? Or uh, starting position of winner or all sorts of these cool props. They didn't have any of those this year. They ended up having a bunch of specials, which were just like essentially top three, top five type parlays where they just juice the fuck out of it and only offer a yes side and not a no side. And they were all terrible bets, like all of them. Just nothing you should ever bet. Uh, and so I want... FanDuel to bring back what they were doing last year because they actually had some fun prop bets. They actually had some good lines. And, uh, you know, I I really enjoyed betting with FanDuel at the beginning of the year last year and and through part of the season. And and I always bet with them when I can, when I have the best line there and stuff. But um, those those race specials or whatever they were, those were all garbage. Like I did the calculations on a couple of them and it was, you know, they were saying uh, 290 to one and I had it in like the – Five thousand to one range or something. <laughs> it's yeah, like you just can't bet these. Yeah, um, and then and then there's the aspect of them being the official betting partner of NASCAR. Like mm-hmm. Caesars, I believe, had the best props. Everything for Daytona, they had. Yeah, they had a ton of offerings. Uh, Superbook had over under finishing position though on particular mm-hmm. drivers. Still pissed off about that because I had Cindric under 19 and a half. And of course, he finished 22nd. Oh. Uh, yeah, that was. Uh. Anyway. I only take uh, overs on this. Um, I literally only take overs because books don't know oh, how really? to price the overs on them. Um, but Superbook did a lot better this year than last year. Uh, last year, they had a bunch of guys at like seven and a half, eight and a half, nine and a half. And uh, I was like. I'm just going to bet over on everybody. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cause the, yeah, like wh- the lowest median I had, uh, and, and of course if you're betting in over under, you just, and it's at minus one ten, then you just need to win 52.5, you know, 52.4% of the time to break even, uh, 52.5% of the time to make a profit long-term. Um, but, uh, so I look at like my median and then the 52.4% deviation from that in the distribution. And I say, okay, so the lowest 52.4% I had was Chase Elliott at 15th, right? Like a median of 15, essentially. And they were offering Joey Logano at 10 and a half, right? And I had Joey Logano at 16 and a half for his median. It's just, they're still beatable. Uh, and I should have bet more of them, right? Like they had Denny Hamlin at 12 and a half. They had Blaney at 13 and a half. They had Keselowski at 11 or 12 or 13 and a half. I don't remember the exact numbers. Should have just bet all of them. I would have hit all four of those, the ones that I just named right there, you know, and it's, it's still not there. It's still not there. Um, it's getting better from when it was in the single digits every time, but it's still not there. And Superbook does offer finishing positions uh, for most, if not all races, if it's 
only the Westgate one, then that kind of sucks. But I think out of state one has also been offering for every race uh, over under finishing position, typically after qualifying uh, mm-hmm. ends and stuff on a race weekend, they'll offer over under finishing position at Superbook. It's the first time I've noticed it, but yeah, it was nice to see. But then again, you know, um, some of these apps are, are hard to navigate, particularly like we went, you mm-hmm. and I went through it with Caesars and I was trying to find stage winners. Um, I could not find it. Like it, yeah. these apps, it shouldn't be that difficult to find shit you want to bet on. And mm-hmm. some of them just Caesars is pretty bad with, with hiding where, where everything's at. So, yeah, yeah, that um, was, was insane because it wasn't like on their normal way to navigate to it. So yeah. we had to like find an alternate way to navigate to it. Still like those trick stage bets. They just obviously didn't work out, but um, really good, really good thought process there with those picks. It just uh, obviously didn't work out. Like we said, I think, I mean, I think he was still top 10 in both stages. So he continues to yeah. get up there in the stages. You just need him to win. He was ninth in the first yeah. one. Didn't didn't make top ten in the second. But um, that's going to get us to whine about it, though. We we got we got a compl- we got some stuff to complain about this week, I believe. Yeah, I think we do. You want to go first, or do you want me to? I mean, my whine about is going to be Fanduel. Like, I mean, that's just it's just the worst. Like, I don't I I don't have a whole lot else to whine about. I guess. If I had to pick something, I mean, it's it's just uh, it's all the same shit like Fox's TV coverage, that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't have a whole lot else to whine about. I wasn't really upset about a whole lot that went on with the race, the race weekend, um, you know, any of the drivers comments or or anything like that. I guess uh, if I had to pick something to whine about, it'd be Joey Logano whining about Todd Gilliland moving up in front of him. Uh, we're racing, dude. <laughs> like, yeah. You're mad that uh, a, a driver took the lead and moved into your line while he's a manufacturer teammate. Like that makes no sense. Why? <laughs> he just whines. He whines to whine. I, I even tweeted you. I was like, we should have him whine about it because that's what he does. I know we whine about it because that's what we do, but. Yeah, Joey Logano is the biggest whiner in NASCAR. Uh, and I feel like uh, my I feel opinion. like Ryan Blaney is starting to take after him too, with an attitude. Now and that Ryan Blaney remember has how we that would always say that about the Gibbs drivers, like they would yep. complain about everything. Like I feel like it's transferring over to Penske. You're right. Yeah, because you know Blaney Blaney kind of got an attitude a couple of times during the race on Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, his was know, more straight up. I, I straight felt up more dumped his teammate in, in stage two. But because his, him, but... his teammates fucked him over on the pit sequence yeah. kind of thing. And, yeah. you know, they had to, though. That was the thing. But he didn't understand that. If he understood it, I think it would have made more sense. Um, but he's like, fuck that. I'm 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 for me now. And, yeah. you know, I, I kind of like to see that. Joe Logano more was just like whiny, whiny. Like, mm. eh, he moved up in front of me and is leading. I'm like, okay. That, yeah. And? On lap, on lap 100. Like, yeah, fuck like, up. Yeah. While we're all trying to save fuel and, uh, you know, ride around and, and like all Todd Gillen did was move up because he didn't want to get freight trained because he had three Toyotas lined up right behind him or something mm-hmm. like that. Or maybe it was three Chevys. I don't remember. But the idea was he was like, I'll move up here with my manufacturer. And Joey Logano is like, boo hoo. And, and not only that, Front Row Motorsports now has that alliance with Penske, the yeah. tier one Ford thing. Like, 
So you're mad that your actual essential teammate just decided to work with you. Uh, okay. That, makes no I sense. don't have a line about it in the FanDuel stuff because the FanDuel stuff was so egregiously bad. I mean, I whined about it on Twitter. You saw Like, everybody saw it. Yeah. I was yeah. – that, that shit made me mad. Not because they voided it, but because of their just dumbass rule. And it was mm-hmm. – it's a fucking terrible rule. I hope it gets changed soon because um, – a lot of people like, and then my other whine about it is like, oh, we'll just rebet it. Well, I'm not going to rebet it if it moved from 40 to 28. Yeah. Oh, we'll just not reparlay it. Well, well, I can't reparlay it if it's moved from 40 to 28. Well, it didn't affect me, so I don't care. Okay, but it affected a lot of other people. You know, uh, yeah. it, it, a lot of like, there's a lot of dumbass comments on Twitter, um, like. Oh, we'll just take the money that you parlayed and reparlay. Okay, but sure, maybe this one person can, but this other person can't because they've slashed the second leg of their parlay from 30 to 18 now. Or what? I'm just making up numbers, but you get the idea. You can't just all of a sudden parlay. We'll take it to another site and parlay. What if they don't have access to the other site? I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's just ah, <laughs> uh, it's it's bad, dude. Like it's bad. That rule is bad. Fandle did the right thing by voiding because that is their rule, but that rule is horrible and then the resulting comments from it on twitter are like cringeworthy just like we just like i call out dumb shit from fanduel because it was dumb the rule is dumb and then people decide to like defend fanduel and i don't get it it's weird to me it's anyway what's your one about it because uh i didn't really have one outside of the fanduel stuff but then yeah. then then i thought about it i was like joey logano and then got back to fanduel again Right. I have a few things in mind. Um, got some wine here. I, I believe our samples um, of wine and the new, uh, the, the brew, beer. brew kettle, yeah. the beer has come out. So as always, Wine nice. About It is presented by Luvabella Winery. Also, the brew kettle added this year to the sponsorship list. Um, check them out. We'll be, we should be getting those beers here soon to check um, or to test, taste test. Um, I can't wait. There's a chocolate peanut butter porter and that is on my, I, I love porters. I love dark beers, uh, especially when they're on nitro. I, I love those. So can't wait to, um, to taste those, but presented by Luvabella winery. This is wine about it. Uh, I got the, I got the sweet, uh, sweet rosé, which I've had before. Not mm-hmm. my, not my ultimate favorite, but, um, it's still good. I like it. Forgot to chill it though, so this one's room temperature, um, but it's still gonna be good. Yeah, if you like sweet sweet wine, this is good. I do. I, I mean, I don't love sweet wine, but I do like it. And, it's, just, uh, it's so smooth. Yeah. Um, so but, I'm, so I'm, my okay, wa- okay. So we're real quick before you do that. I, I told you I had a bet going on that I was sweating. Yeah, it won. So yeah, I, I can nice. I can close that tab out now and feel happy about that. <laughs> That's if you are mm. if you're watching on YouTube and you keep seeing me looking over left. I'm like checking out what's happening on this basketball game that I had a bet on. Um, so we're good now. I'm 110 percent focused on stacking Denny's instead of 97 uh, percent focused on stacking Denny's. There we go. Uh, my wine about it is well, I got I have one minor one first, and I've bitched about this sports book before, but I'm going to bitch about it again. Tipico, um, 
while they offer great lines, they do not take my action. They won't let me get 10 cents down. They won't let me get a dollar down. They won't anything. They will not take anything. So I thought maybe after last, this was last year, by the way. So I thought maybe after the off season, Hey, maybe they'd let Jordan back on to bet again. So they had true X top Toyota at nine to one or seven and a half to one or something. So morning of Daytona 500, I logged in. I was like, okay, I'm going to try to bet this. I put 25 bucks in my account, tried to bet it. It got sent for approval. I went back, checked and 20 minutes later, denied, of course. So I'm like, all right, you know, withdraw, send me my 25 bucks back. Today, I get an email from their, uh, their payments and withdrawal team. Um, we will not be sending you your money right now. We need a picture of your ID front and back. We need a screenshot of your most recent Venmo transactions, blah, 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 blah. Once these documents are received, our review team will take a look and advise if anything else is needed. What fuck, fuck off. Just give me my fucking money. If you're not going to take my fucking bets, it's $25. Like, and the reason that I understand like these books, they don't like people that deposit and then try to withdraw right away without betting. Mm-hmm. But it's your fucking fault that I didn't bet. Like you, you won't let me bet. <laughs> like you literally won't. So what am I supposed to do? Just close my account at that point. Like delete my account, delete my entire account because there's no point in me trying to ever bet with them again. So probably stupid on me for going in and trying to bet, knowing that they wouldn't have take my action, but I figured maybe they, they would let me. Um, so that's my part one whine about it. Part two is the finish of the Daytona 500. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, obviously I, yes. I don't think it's very, be, yes. I don't think very, yes. I don't think it's going to be what you think it is though. I'm not mad oh, at no. NASCAR. I don't know. I'm not mad at NASCAR for the timing. I'm all right. I am that. because I've seen some videos where it's on, as soon as the car spins, they throw a caution. I'm like, I mean, it's, it's instantaneous with the car spinning or they've thrown a caution for brake smoke. They waited 300 feet or 300 yards. And they say, go football field. The second they waited three seconds to throw a caution there. Anyway, that's good. I think I <laughs> see. I, I, I thought it was fine. The, the amount of time they took to mm-mm. throw it. I did. But I, I, I also don't think it's egregious. That's why I'm not whining about it. Uh-huh. I just dis. I just. I remember sitting there watching it happen. Like you gotta throw the caution. 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 And then they cross the line. I'm like, they didn't throw a caution. They didn't throw a caution. And then the caution comes out. I mean, I said it like my girlfriend's there with me. Obviously, I said it like four or five or six times. She's like, okay, okay. You're like, I'm like I know, but like you have to. So uh, I. They had to throw a caution. I'm sorry. I, that was, I think. That was a I think part of crash. it is they're trying to get better at maybe letting them race back to the line. I that's what I want to believe on why they took so long to throw that caution. Yeah, but what you don't get I, a race back to the line if uh, you cross the line and then you throw the caution. Right. So I think they tried to keep it green, and we're we're going to try to keep it green if if uh, Chastain and Cindric got going again. I think that's why it took so long. That was never going to be a thing that got going again. I mean, they were there were cars wrecking everywhere. Yeah. Anyway, my my actual whine about it is it deals with that, but it's the people that are on Twitter saying, "Well, Bowman was actually in front of Byron." Blah blah blah. No, 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 no and never, then, never. So then, I I literally saw people that showed some grainy ass video 
that then showed like the angle showed Bowman kind of ahead of Byron and then showed the caution light go on. What it did was cut off the first caution light. So like mm-hmm, the caution light mm-hmm. blinks, it blinked, it cut out the first one. Yeah. Yeah. But then, and then someone replied to these people and said, here's the video Bo or Byron's clearly ahead of Bowman. And they respond with, they get their fucking tinfoil hats on here, which don't get me wrong. I love a good conspiracy theory. I have plenty of conspiracy theories against NASCAR. But they they sit there and reply and say, I don't believe that angle. Find me <laughs> another angle. And it's like, what? Like, I, I saw Larry Mack uh, reply to it today. I think Mike Joy replied to it saying, hey, here's the picture of when the caution came out. Byron's ahead of Bowman. Shut yeah. the fuck up. Like, these people are... Oh, and I understand you can, you can, you can have different camera angles on video and you, and you see what you want to see, but man, that's just annoying. And that's, that's my want about it. Are those people that are thinking that somehow, um, Bowman won that race when it was very clearly. Byron. No, it was it, exactly. And based off the way NASCAR did throw the caution and all that stuff. I mean, it's clear as day of iron was the winner. Um, mm-hmm. I want to play a little mind game. Um, where who do you think would have won had NASCAR let it go green to that final lap? Because uh, I think a lot of people are saying Bowman, but if you look right behind Bowman, um, I think it was LaJoy and Bubba had runs. Like They probably would have pushed Bowman to the lead, and then one of them or both of them would have made a move under around Bowman, probably eventually wrecking each other. And then the other one we got through. So I think it was like probably LaJoy or, or uh, Bubba wins that race. If it stays green, like legitimately, I think LaJoy or Bubba wins that race. Uh, if it stays, green. My, I first went to LaJoy, but I forget how much, if he got any damage from that wreck. So if they would have right, let right. him go, I, I don't know how much damage he actually got, uh, but I'm with you. Um, and what about bell? You know, Bell was right there. Yeah, I, I just think Bell's spot, and maybe I'm confusing Bell and LaJoy, um, but whoever was right behind Bowman uh, and then Bubba was right behind them. But I think it was, I think it was um, LaJoy that was right behind him. I need to go find that photo again uh, of like the finish. Um, let me see if I can scroll up here and find it. I know I have a photo of the finish somewhere. I'm just going to keep scrolling until y'all. There it is. Oh, it was Bell that was right behind Bowman. Um, I think I think Bell wins that or Bubba wins that. They had a I'm pulling, run. I'm pulling up the they video were gonna push right now. Yeah, this is just the um the image, like the freeze frame image. And Bell would have absolutely pushed Bowman by Byron. I mean Bowman already was going by Byron. And then would have pushed him. And of course, Bubba would have stuck with Bell to get around Bowman, and then it's could Bubba have made a move on Bell? Uh, I legitimately think that's how it would have played out. It either would have been Bell or Bubba had it stayed green, or you know, had NASCAR thrown the caution when they should have, it would have been a whole different story. <laughs> we might be talking about AJ Allmendinger, eighty to one winner. You never know. If we had a green white checkered or a few of green white checkers. Yeah, yeah. Bowman definitely, I think, would have got around Byron. Oh, easily. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
But man, what if what if Chastain makes that move, makes it work? I think he's winning this race. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, if he doesn't wreck, he wins it. But I'm talking about based off this wreck, had NASCAR just let it stay green, um, who wins? And I I think it would have been Bell or um, Bubba. You know what sucks is Chastain's getting caution early. No, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Chastain Chastain's getting the heat for that. He didn't do anything wrong. He did not do anything wrong. Also, he, the William Byron, where he caused that wreck with Joey and Keselowski and stuff, Byron didn't do anything wrong. Bowman shoved the shit out of him, knocked him down into uh, whoever it was that started the wreck. Um, I think it was uh, Stenhouse or Keselowski or one of those guys. Yeah, I forget that one. But so so Cindric, Cindric went and blocked LaJoy. Pushed him below the yellow line uh, as, and that's what opened up the door for Chastain to make that move. Yeah, was those two kind of getting into it? Mm-hmm. I don't understand how Cindric has any any gra- ground to stand on here of being mad. That actually kind of oh, Cindric wasn't was mad. mad at uh, Cindric wasn't mad at Ross. He was just mad at Corey LaJoy for shoving the shit out of him and knocking him loose. It was the final lap of Daytona, like. What do you expect? Right, I get that. I get that. But uh, at the same time, if you make a bad push, like we're we're mad at Keselowski for doing the exact same thing LaJoy did. Uh, he just did it to, um, you know, John Hunter Nemechek in lap 13 or whatever it was, lap eight. Uh, yeah. I don't know what the lap was, but you get the point. So it's the same thing. A bad shove is still a bad shove. Um, and we could say the same thing about the Byron where he started like the first big one. Um that was actually Bowman shoving him, which got him loose into like knocked him See, down into the car below him. I don't think that this was a bad show by LaJoy. I think it was a block by Cindric. LaJoy had a run and he couldn't have slowed down because Almendinger was right on his ass. I don't think that was a bad push by LaJoy. I think LaJoy even basically just admitted to it. Like, yeah, we're not friends. I don't give a shit. He, he never said... Uh, Cedric was wrong. <laughs> yeah. I, I think LaJoy basically admitted to it. Like it was his fault. But yeah, I had no Anyways. idea. Was, I mean, I guess that says like to me, that says if you have beef with Corey LaJoy, um, it sounds like there's been beef and yeah. that, that says something about Austin Cindric to me, right? Like you're racing for a Penske car and you have beef with Corey LaJoy <laughs> who races for, for Spire and, yeah, that that tells me where you're running week in and week out, Austin Cindric. Yeah, no shit. Um, but yeah, uh, going back, I said I wanted to talk about William Byron, and this could have been my whine about it. So his win season win total line was set at uh, two and a half for the year, and when those first came out, that was the first one that caught my eye. I'm like, over, like by a million, like. William Byron, he had his breakout year last year. I honestly think he's the best driver at Hendrick Motorsports. And I obviously winning at Daytona doesn't really set the tone for the season, but he's already got right. one win down. He could go out and win again at Atlanta this weekend. And he won. He could He could have won. Did he win Las Vegas last year over Larson? Yeah. I mean, yep. it would not be that crazy for William Byron to go three for three to start out this year. Uh, no, it wouldn't be crazy at all. But I'm irritated at myself for not betting his over win total. 
now that he has this Daytona win. Uh, but also, I, I truly believe that he is the best driver at Hendrick Motorsports right now over over Kyle Larson. And I, yeah. I'm not sure it's as close as people think it is. I think William Byron is poised to win multiple championships. I think it's, I think it's close. Um, I, I, I would rate them pretty equal. I don't really have a choice between the two, uh, but Larson's still the one that goes out and dominates more. Um, That's true. He just does. He just does. It's, uh, it, he's always had trouble finishing, but he's the one that's dominating more. Uh, and I shouldn't say he's always had trouble finishing. I mean, Kyle Larson just a couple seasons ago won 10 races in the championship. Uh, when was the last time somebody won 10 races? Remember that? Like we were talking about how amazing it was that he won uh, 10 races. It was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. Yeah, 10 races in 2021. Uh, and Kyle Larson won. One, two, three, four last year and three the year before. Um, the guy has 17 wins in the last three years. That's that's a hell of a lot. Um, another stat for you. You know, we've always talked about Kyle Larson and his inability to, to finish out races or to mm-hmm. finish races. Seven DNFs last year. Seven DNFs in 2022. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's always been an issue of his. Um, yeah, look, amazing enough. The 2021 year uh, was only two, so yeah, that was pretty wild. But um, no, it's always been an issue of his. He's so aggressive. He's so fast. He's so on the edge all the time, which is how he's so good. Which is why his upside is so big. But it also comes back to to bite him. Now, now again, not all of these DNFs are his fault, but there certainly are a few um, that have. I should say more than a few, but like, you know, when you have that many DNFs, some of them are on you for sure. Uh, Mm -hmm. There was the one where they like forgot to take the grate out. I think it was Daytona last year, like lap one and he has to come in and pit or was it it was some, some race, one of those races. He just like lap one just has to pit because his car isn't even running correctly. Um, It was California last year. He finished 29th. Um, So that actually wasn't a DNF, but you get the idea. Like, there have been mechanical failures. There have been other things that have happened to him. Um, you know, Bubba Wallace uh, straight up, uh, or say, yeah, Bubba Wallace straight up hooking, right rear hooking him, um, like that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? So uh, it, it, it's a confluence of factors, but certainly Kyle Larson runs on the edge, as close to the edge as possible and sometimes goes over the edge. Mm. But yeah, that's just my my small little note is I, mm-hmm. I think, I think this is a year that we're, we're going to see William Byron pull out ahead of, of Larson. I think Larson's kind of losing his edge with this new car, but I could be wrong. You know, I would I, I've obviously been wrong. I, I think they're, I think they're pretty equal. Okay. And I think I mean, they, they I, were both, they were both in the uh, championship four last year and Larson had the better race. So that's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, I this is just my. I just think they're equal. My, I just think they're equal. and that's a that's a testament to Byron to say you're equal to Kyle Larson. Like that is, oh yeah, that is 100%. a big testament um, to to say that. And he, William Byron's one of the absolute top premier drivers in the series right now. It, it might be him and Larson as the two best drivers. Period. Um, Denny Hamlin's right up there for sure. Uh, but in the whole series, it may be in terms of just raw talent. It may be Larson and Byron as the top two. Mm-hmm. 
and it'd be hard to hard to argue that. I think. Um, mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, moving on um, quickly before we get to Atlanta, um, you you touched on it before. We got a question about it on Twitter. Front row is now a tier one uh, with Penske Alliance. Is there any other team with an alliance like that? I feel like Spire or Colleg teamed up with Trackhouse or something, but could be totally wrong. Uh, that was the question that we got. And I guess I feel like this is pretty big news that kind of just got shuffled out of the news cycle because it was Daytona week. But mm-hmm. front row going to tier one is a Huge. pretty big deal. I mean, that's – if Ford if – Ford, reemerges like the way we saw RFK reemerge and have speed. Mm-hmm. This is only going to push front row and, and guys like Michael McDowell, Todd Gilliland to that next level yep. to where they were already. I mean, McDowell and Gilliland have always been these sleeper picks. Uh, McDowell, especially like, yeah, he's yeah. a pretty consistent teen uh, challenger for a teens finish. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't take a lot to get for that to go up to top tens. At his good tracks, so no, not at all. Yeah, um, yeah. And, I feel like we're this... saying his good. If we're saying his good tracks, not even counting road courses, because we all know he's good at road courses, right? Um, so I just feel like this this little news was kind of swept under the rug, and it's. I don't know how long that'll take to come into effect, though. I I don't know the full specifics of the deal. Do you? For the the tier one stuff. Oh, it's yeah. already in place. It's been in, okay. it's been in place for a while. This is like they're already full fledged tier one. Um, okay, I thought certainly it was there future. will be certainly there will be no. They already are. They're already tier one. Certainly there will be. Um, I saw stuff like this has been a, a deal for a good long while. It just got announced. Okay, so I'm sure they've already been working together, all that kind of stuff. But it's still going to take time to help Front Row Motorsports develop these strategies to develop these pit crews to develop this, that, and the other setups, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But it's a massive leap forward already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that speaking of pit crews, uh, Todd Gillins for Daytona, they, he had the youngest average age pit crew. Mm-hmm. And they, as mentioned, just how, how fast they were. Um, yep. You know, and that, that obviously can play a big, big part um, on race days. So I, yeah, I mean, I would, I would, I wouldn't be surprised if, Todd Gillen competes for race wins at these super speedways. Uh, mm. And Michael McDowell is um, maybe the, the road course racer this year, you know, along with Ooh. Redick always is. Uh, but like if you're, if they're offering McDowell 14 to one at a road course, you pretty much just have to bet you it. You have to bet point. it. Like, yeah. 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 So we'll see. I mean, Coda is uh, the sixth race of the season. We'll have Las Vegas, we'll have Phoenix, we'll have Bristol to evaluate the FRM performance. But based off of everything, I mean, it, it to me, it, the way I read it, the way I've seen the, the tweets about it and the, the discussion is it's been in place for a while. It just finally got announced before okay. Daytona. That makes sense. Okay. And that would, that would explain why it wasn't such a big news story as well, you know, if it was already. Well, that and place. the. I don't think, I mean, I think maybe there's a lot of industry that didn't know, but they dropped that on purpose because they want to keep that secret until, yeah, till then. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, but. uh, moving on, we have Atlanta this weekend. Mm-hmm. 
Pseudo Speedway. We go from Daytona, unpredictable, big wrecks, to Atlanta, where we also see big wrecks now that they have repaved, reconfigured this racetrack. What? Oh, I was going to say, say I, uh, we, didn't, we didn't answer the question. Are there any other alliances like that? Uh, oh. I think there's something between Trackhouse and Spire, obviously, just because of Zane Smith, right? Um, mm-hmm. Zane Smith is racing for Spire, but with a tr- signed to track house. So there's like a, a deal there, but um, you know, I, I don't even well, like, think it's necessarily a full team thing. I think it might just be that kind of a thing, but there's always think, affiliate uh, stuff. Like we, we know Wood Brothers is a Penske affiliate. We know um, Rick Ware racing is a uh, RFK affiliate, like that kind of stuff. I want to say, like, colleague, they get ECR engines. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, there's there's that alliance. Like, I feel like a lot of these are, like you said, they, they, they're they there just right off the top of my head. That's where Trackhouse gets their engines as well as ECR. So. Yeah. As does Spire. <laughs> yeah. So there's there's a whole thing there, but. Um, no, Spire gets it from I Hendrick. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, but yeah. the whole point is. I don't really read too much in that Alliance stuff because Spire is still Spire. Trackhouse is still mm-hmm. Trackhouse. Uh, the only difference, like to me, the difference is do you move up a tier, not do you have an Alliance? Like I don't think suddenly Justin Haley is going to be badass because uh, they have a Rickwear Racing as an Alliance with RFK. You know, they're still Rickwear Racing. They're still not getting tier one Ford treatment, right? Like Rickwear Racing is not getting tier one Ford treatment, but frm is now and to me that actually says a lot about stewart haas racing like tony stewart's already like heads are going to roll soon here at shr if things don't get better and then you lose out tier one type stuff or or add on tier one front row motorsports and that just that's another uh you know dagger into the system there it's it's Mm -hmm. a little little worse even more for stewart haas racing so um just one of those things where there's a little knock-on effect. Not just does front row motorsports get better, but what does that do for Stuart Haas racing? Uh, so, um, and then of course, like it's Motors Club being essentially a tier one Toyota team, right? So, because Toyota only has eight full-time cars. So yeah. Yep. Uh, both, but by the way, both Legacy Motor Club cars coming home with top tens in the Daytona 500. John Hunter Nemechek finishing seventh. Mm-hmm. Eric Jones eighth and the two Stuart Haas cars in the top 10 at Gregson and Briscoe. So both those organizations got off to good starts. Like you said, uh, that's, that is one aspect that people definitely aren't paying attention to though, with like when we have lower teams move up, it brings the higher teams down a little bit. And I think, like you said, that hurts Stuart Haas. Yeah. Because they are the one organization that's kind of fringe right now. And they're mm-hmm. just, their driver lineup sucks. They've been in a downswing for a while. Yep. And, and other four other teams getting more competitive do not, does not help Stuart Haas racing at all. So I agree. I agree. Full season. I think is that's something to keep an eye on is, is how Stuart Haas does. Are they really going to improve? Um, or are we, if we're looking still at the downturn, you know, you need to, we need to take that into account. Not that expectations are high at Stuart Haas, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but um, definitely take that into account. So, but yeah, moving on to Atlanta, the Ambetter Health 400. Like I said, or was alluding to before, um, 
there have been four races on this new new Atlanta, this pseudo speedway. Uh, obviously, anything before the 2022 season, you can go ahead and throw out the window. It it yeah. it is not applicable at all. Like not even Don't use close. It. Do not do not use it. We're looking at the last four races here only. Um, biggest question this week coming from from Daytona, having that mindset for DFS, having that mindset for um, betting, is how similar of a mindset do you have to have at Atlanta, or is it different? So main uh, or, or one of the good questions we got here on Twitter. For DFS purposes, and this this is kind of what this is going off of what I was just stating. For DFS purposes, can you discuss the difference of variance on a super speedway where there's an expectation of half the field wrecking and how that compares to this new Atlanta? I would assume fading the chalk place differential plays is riskier at Atlanta. And I would say yes. Because it is a tighter racing here at Atlanta. And while we do see wrecks, a lot of the wrecks that we saw last year were due to blown tires, were due to yeah. not actual and racing the first, mistakes. And the first Atlanta race, yeah. And yeah. the first Atlanta race. Um, but I would so answer I, your question differently. We're not going to see chalk place differential place. You don't think so? It's not Daytona where we're going to have Ryan Blaney in the back. They're going to qualify like normal, barring a rain thing. They're going to qualify like normal. There's no rain in the forecast this weekend, so you can go ahead and bet at FanDuel. Um but uh, <laughs> but um, we don't see chalk start at the back at Atlanta. We just don't. Uh, the I, good cars I start think up we front. Do, though. No, we don't. I mean, uh, did it rain I'm out last year? Here. Because last was that? last July, Bubba Wallace, uh, Alex Bowman, Christopher Bell, Austin Dillon all started thirty third or worse. And how'd they do? 21st, 23rd, 26th, yeah, 25th. <laughs> exactly. So you don't necessarily need to fade the chalk. Uh, that's back there. A, the chalk doesn't start back there, not as much. And B, they don't have as much success. Uh, my answer to this question is, let's look at the top 30 in scoring and see how many drivers in, in the four Atlanta races, the top 30 DraftKings point scores. The number of drivers that have started 30th or worse is one, two, three. Four out of the top 30 scorers over four races. Hmm. Only four drivers starting in the 30s. That's fascinating. Two times the pole sitter has been in the optimal lineup. That is. Oh, man. Yeah, Joey Logano in the first race last year led 140 laps. From mm-hmm. the pole, also and then won Chase the race. Elliott uh, in 2022, um, second 2022 race. The race Corey LeJoy almost won. Um, led 96 laps, won the race, started on the pole. Pole sitters won so, twice, like so, and and led a lot of laps twice. <laughs> so, depending on who's on the pole, is this suddenly a pick a pole pole sitter race? N- not necessarily. I, I'm just pointing out that we don't fade the pole here. We just right. play it like if we think they can lead a lot. Because Atlanta's so, different from Daytona and Talladega in that. A, it's smaller, but B, track position matters way more. It's so much harder to get you, from the back yeah, you, to the front. It doesn't mean you, you can't, can't make moves here. It's yeah, so, it's so much harder to make moves. Yeah. Um, I think that'll change as the track ages. And the track already aged from year one to, eight, to year two. Um, 
wildly enough. Atlanta, somehow, where it is in the, the world and the the winters and all the other stuff they deal with, that track aged a lot from year one to year two. And so I'm curious what it'll do here. Um, I don't want to bet a whole lot on this. I don't want to DFS a whole lot on this. Like, this is... This is still one we don't know how the manufacturers are going to do here. Um, that kind of stuff. Like it's it's a race I want to tread on carefully. Uh, maybe live bet I think would be one of the best ways to approach this. But that said, just based off the four Atlanta races we have seen, st- stacking the back is not a strategy. Not not a bad, not a great strategy, but not a bad strategy. Um, it's just kind of eh. We got a lot of guys in the twenties that that you know end up in the optimal lineup. We certainly get guys in the teens and in the single digits, but the thirties is often because these guys are either not the good guys are either not qualifying in the thirties, or if they are, they're still not moving their way forward. You know, you know, one thing um, talking about how qualifying is going to shake out and everything, where everybody's going to start. Uh, one thing I wish we could bet on would be manufacturer to win the poll. Mm-hmm. Uh, just based on Daytona and how Ford looked there. And then you looked mm-hmm. at the, you look at the two Atlanta races last year, the first race, top eight qualifiers, all of them Ford. Second race, nine of the top 11 Ford, including each of the top six. Ford dominates yep. qualifying at Atlanta. Yes, but that was last year with the lower drag nose. I remember last year I was all over Ford's qualifying well uh, at Atlanta, especially first Atlanta. But, but doesn't their speed the nose this year in Daytona do the same thing? But handling matters a lot more at Atlanta. So I'm actually mm. curious if uh, speed does matter too. Um, but I'm curious if they sacrifice something on a different way uh, by qualifying so well at Daytona. Did they, um, are they sacrificing maybe a little bit of handling, which matters more Atlanta than Daytona? Uh, It still doesn't matter a ton, but um, the reason I liked the Fords last year at Atlanta, because the track's so new, right? And so raw speed matters at Atlanta. Um, But when raw speed matters, it's it's one of those things like, okay, well, did Ford uh, sacrifice handling? Because now... Atlanta is becoming also a little bit more handling. I don't know. I don't know. It could be just the Fords are just fucking crazy good at Atlanta. I don't know. I just don't want to bet qualifying on Atlanta, like at all. And because and I'm not going to look. I'm not going to count at all. I'm not going to count last year's Ford body as this year's Ford body because it doesn't make mm-hmm. sense to. But I'm also not going to say because they were better at Daytona it means they're going to be better at Atlanta because there's differences between Daytona and Atlanta. I think once I see Atlanta, I'll feel better about should I bet Ford or not, fade Ford at Talladega. You know what I mean? Because Talladega is just raw speed. Handling is not a thing. <laughs> um, sorry, I'm looking at um, some stats here from the last four Atlanta races. Um. As far as – so looking at winners here at Atlanta uh, on this new Atlanta, Joey Logano won the first race last year. Byron won the second race last year. Uh, in 2022, it was Byron winning the first race and Chase Elliott winning the second race. 
like you mm-hmm. said, from the pole as well. Um, how much? How much does practice? How predictive is practice at this new Atlanta? I was hoping. Really you, I was hoping you might might remember. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't care. Like I just don't don't have an opinion on practice in Atlanta. It's I mean it's Atlanta, right? Like it's still a drafting race. Yeah. If you get the right push in the right place in the right time, you can still win the race against anybody in the field. You could be you could be Justin Haley in a Rick Ware car and win the race if you have the right push and you're in the right track position. Um, that kind of stuff. Like Corey LaJoy almost won an Aspire car. Two years ago, and mm-hmm. uh, not not a current fire car, like two year. years ago, and then Chase Elliott threw a block because he had to, uh, like to preserve the win. So it's still, it's still, if you get the right push, if you get the track position, anybody can win this. I'm not, I'm not really worried about practice here. Speaking of Justin Haley, he has uh, three top eleven finishes in the four Atlanta races. And that Rick Ware car finished seventh with JJ Yaley in it last July here in mm-hmm. Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do like him. Justin Haley. I do like Justin Haley this week um, more than I liked him at Daytona as far as DFS purposes. Because mm-hmm. I Justin, so I we talked about this. You and I did a live show for DFS lines building, whatever. And I said I was like, you know, I'm not as high on Justin Haley. I straight up xed out Justin Haley in my lineups. Um, he was one I had zero percent. Uh, it worked out. I mean, obviously, people were you know victory lapping Justin Haley in the first stage, but uh, um, it, it it it's the first stage. But I do think Justin Haley can be a factor in this race. Do I am I going to go crazy on Justin Haley and betting or DFS if I play? I haven't even decided if I'm going to play. Um, I might, but uh, no, I'm not going to go crazy. But I certainly will. If I play DFS, I'll definitely have exposure to him. And if I'm mm-hmm. considering bets, I will definitely be considering Justin Haley bets. It's just a matter of yeah. what market at what price. Yeah, so that's one thing. Um, early betting lines came out. I briefly went over uh, and looked at um, a few. I, I saw nothing that I liked. I didn't see a single line that, that stood out to me that I liked. Yeah. Which is just... I did for trucks. <laughs> and I don't even do the truck series but like sometimes caesars for trucks will just misprice shit because it's it's a lesser you hit for trucks? They, um these have moved but i hit caden honeycutt 100 to 1 he's now 90 to 1 at caesars um caden honeycutt is in a uh um I need to look at the teams. He's in either a Thor Sport or a uh, Nice car, and I don't or Nice truck, and I don't care. It's whichever one. Yeah, Honeycutt's in a Nice truck, and then I hit Connor Jones one hundred fifty to one. He's now one hundred twenty five to one at Caesars in a Thor Sports truck, right? Like, like that's the truck like Ty Majeski's in, Ben Rhodes is in, um, all the top contenders, and he's one hundred fifty to one. He's in a Thor Sports hmm. truck, like okay. And then I bet their top fives as well. It was nine and eleven for top five. Uh, it looks like they have moved to um, six and a half and seven and a half for a top five finish. 
and I don't you even said, follow the trucks. Like I do, but I don't. Like I am I don't consider myself a truck series or an Xfinity series expert. I create projections for them, which are um just based off my machine learning model, and I think they're very accurate projections, but I don't have like the knowledge because I don't follow it as closely uh unless my boy Stephen Malazzi is racing. Um I watch <laughs> him, I try to bet him, but I just I don't have like every knowledge of every driver. Like I'm a cup series guy and I'm an indie car guy. Those are my series. Those that's what I watch religiously for racing. And the trucks Xfinity for me is like I like it, I enjoy it, I watch it when I can, but I don't sit there and try to look up every last piece of information on the Xfinity or truck series. You know, it's not I wouldn't consider myself an I wouldn't consider myself bad at those series. Um, I've been profitable over the years. I just wouldn't consider myself an expert at those series. Yeah, it's it, those are like Xfinity and trucks. I'll watch them if I'm not doing anything. That's kind of where I sit at with like, yeah, yeah, I wasn't same. doing anything last night. So I watched the Xfinity race, like, but I don't get too excited mm-hmm. about it. Same. 100% I, same. I, I, yeah. And I, I like, I'm not like, I, I'm not like you. I don't, I don't even do projections for it because I, well, I have to. I mean, that's my job, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, um, I understand that. Yeah. 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 So, and like my projections are just as good, just as accurate. Uh, it's just the difference is I don't have the same domain knowledge as I have for the cup series or the IndyCar series. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you agree with, you know, I, I'm looking at these lines. Ham, like I'm looking at Superbook right now. Hamlin's the favorite, and then there's a, a line of cars at twelve to one. Hamlin's sitting at ten to one. Then we got Keselowski, Elliott, Bell, Logano, Blaney, and Byron at twelve to one. I can't say I disagree with any of that. Um, one yeah, thing, no. one I'm kind of interested in would be Kyle Busch sitting there at sixteen to one, but it's not enough for me to bite, just because of how fast that car was at Daytona. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. That kind of catches my eye. Um, um, I will say, so I got a message from Jim Sonis, uh, who works for FanDuel. And when I shit on FanDuel, it's not, I'm not shitting on Jim. He doesn't work for the sports book making <laughs> side of things. Um, and I, I'm sure Jim knows that if I uh, disagree with a rule, it's fair game. Um, but uh, no, he's he's managing editor of digital media at FanDuel Research. So not the sports book making side of things, but I uh, was talking with Jim and I kind of liked last week. Um, I didn't end up, I talked about it on a few different shows, different podcasts. I didn't end up betting it. It was one like I'm going to evaluate. Uh, and, you know, I, I specifically said on the podcasts and the shows that I did last week, um, one was with Jim on his podcast uh, that I was looking at Stuart Haas race win for the Daytona 500 uh, at 12 to 1. They're 16 to one right now at Caesars. And I do like that, especially knowing how well Josh Berry ran. Um, Chase Briscoe was up there a bit. Like they had a lot of problems. Like Priest took a hit in the first eight laps of the race or something and was pretty much fucked the rest of the race. Josh Berry looked good. Chase Briscoe looked just fine. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it was one of those things where things didn't work out for Stuart Haas, but they looked fine. Um, They, they, like Gregson led at some point, uh, I think at the first pit cycles or whatever, he was leading it at one of those points. So 16 to one for Stuart Haas racing to win. I kind of agree with Jim there. I think that's uh, an interesting one for me for the cup series. And hmm. I don't have any other cup series bets right now, but um, yeah, would, would definitely shout out Jim for, for that bet. Here's an interesting um, 
boost or whatever on Caesars right now, parlay Austin Hill and William Byron winners. They won the two Atlanta races last year, 51 to one for that. Interesting. Probably not, probably not great value, but still kind of a little fun thing to bet right there. Throw five bucks on it or something. Yeah. Yeah, I don't hate that. Going through here. I'm just kind of looking through. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm looking through here. I don't, I don't see a ton. Um, I don't, I don't love Eric Jones seven to one top Toyota. I feel like we will be able to get it. What about John Hunter Nemechek top Toyota fifteen fifteen to one? I mean, he was wasn't he the third Toyota at the Daytona five hundred? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Behind Bell and uh, Jones. Yeah, just all works like how do you position yourself at 15 to one i think is too long might bet that i haven't yet obviously just kind of eyeballing things um i mean you know me like if you're getting an upgrade in front row motorsports stuff harrison burton or sorry uh, todd gill and 28 to one top forward isn't horrible uh especially considering how he looked at the daytona 500 um josh berry 28 to 1 (laughs) you know like these aren't horrible bets but i don't know if i love them either considering the way atlanta is where you you get a joey logano leading gazillion laps and winning the race starting on pole you get a chase elliott leading gazillion laps winning a race and starting on pole um atlanta's definitely a different beast than daytona um when did not that I'm going to make this bet, but I always thought I never mind. I saw BJ McLeod listed under yeah, top Chevy's 200 to one. I always thought he drove a Ford, and I was like, when did he switch he, to Chevy? Last year but he drove he, a Chevy. Yeah, no, it was yeah. two years ago they drove a Ford, and last year they switched to Chevy. Show so much attention I pay. <laughs> yeah, no, I would still never bet him top Chevy at pretty much any price. I think. Uh, Caesars and Josh Williams top Chevy 60 to one is kind of interesting. Like he's so in he's a fucking calling that, car. Yeah. He's in he's a calling in car. 16 car. Yeah. This is, this is going to be his first cup series start, right? He ran the clash and looked pretty good. It got fucked in the qualifying group thing. I missed the clash entirely. I had to work that night. He got fucked in the qualifying bullshit that ended up happening. It's not, it's not anybody's fault. I'm oh, not mad. I'm not whatever. Um, he got screwed in the qualifying deal with how the clash worked because of the rain out. He, oh. looked, he was fast as shit in this group, but he also drew the shittiest group and didn't end up making the clash because he drew a bad group. Um, you know, what's interesting. So Josh Williams, 60 to one top Chevy. Yeah, that's, yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. No, honestly, it is. Um, I, I'm excited to see his top 10 lines because, he has three three starts in the Cup Series. Uh, all mm. of them were in 2022. He was 25th mm. at Bristol Dirt, 25th at Indy Road, Road course, course, and then 31st at Charlotte Roval. Now these don't sound great. These aren't earth shattering. That was with BJ driving McLeod, that BJ McLeod car yeah. doing that. So yeah, I'm I'm interested to see how fast he is now. And that might be an early here's week. The thing. That, here's the thing, like. He wasn't very good at those, but he was still better than Cody Ware. <laughs> yeah. 
no, I, I, I definitely don't mind that. I'm checking his Indy Road course because I know he finished 25th there. He finished ahead of Ryan Blaney on the lead lap, ahead of Ross Jastain on the lead lap, ahead of Daniel Suarez on the lead lap at Indy Road course that year. Now, I don't remember uh, the exact potential incidents that people had or didn't have, so I can't say if you know Suarez, Chastain, or Blaney were damaged. I think, I think Chastain. I remember Chastain had a bunch of damage because um, they were trying to like make the championship four or something. And then Charlotte, no, that was Charlotte Roval. I was thinking of, so I actually don't remember any road course. Um, and then Charlotte Roval, he finished ahead of JJ Yaley and Loris Hezamans uh, on the lead lap there, so right behind Todd Gilliland, but. We've seen Josh Williams in other series. Like he's done some good things with some underfunded teams. Uh, so sixty to one top Chevy is not too bad. Yeah, I, I like you said. I haven't bet it. I don't think you've bet it. But uh, no, I have not. Definitely, I, I I'm interested to see once top ten lines come out. <clears throat> uh, he's eight so to one here's for qu- he's eight to one for top five at Caesar. Okay. So I think that's too short. We but agree, yeah. eight to one, yeah. And I think it'll definitely be, um, higher, better line elsewhere. Um, yeah. Here's the thing, though. So obviously, um, long shots have a decent chance of hitting at Daytona. The thing with this new Atlanta so far is we really haven't seen a long shot win it. Um, right. And not really come close. Almendinger finished third last July. Uh, that that's probably the closest I would say. Is yeah. this still a bet bet the favorites type of race? Like it's still going to come from probably you know Byron sitting there at sixteen to one, twelve to one. It's still technically a favorite at a super speedway. Do you what do you think the chances are we see someone like an eighty to one, like a Josh Berry, come in and steal this thing? Oh, I, I think it's possible. Mm-hmm. I certainly like we've seen Chase Briscoe, I think, win the pole for an Atlanta race uh, a couple of years ago with Stuart Haas and Stuart Haas hasn't really improved or anything. Yeah, I think I think it's certainly possible. I, I just don't think it's going to be, you know, uh, where we see something like Talladega where an 100 to one has a really good chance. I think it's going to be a it's certainly a chance, but it's going to have to come on kind of what Corey LaJoy did and more like a strategy play. If you remember the year Corey LaJoy almost won, they strategied him into the top two or three or four positions, and he was able to maintain that. He didn't move his way up into the top four or five in that race. Right. But and that's if you can strategy, if you can strategy yourself into that position, you can maintain track position because track position in Atlanta – is massive. And that's the most important thing. And and it, it brings into account who has the good crew chiefs that play the strategy games. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to default again down to Josh Berry with Rodney Childers. Yeah. I like that pairing. I, I'm really, I like Josh Berry a lot this week. And it, I do. Not and even, I don't even we like, we haven't had practice or qualifying yet. And I don't even necessarily like Josh Berry. Like we talked about it on our preview episode. Like, eh, you know, Josh Berry, eh, he's 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 older for a rookie and that kind of stuff. Like, we don't love the direction Stuart Haas is heading, et cetera. But 
in particular races, it doesn't mean we don't like them. Right. Like I said, and you remember, I mean, we were always high on, on Harvick at super speedways and, and at Atlanta, this new Atlanta, it's the same car. He's driving that yeah. four car. It's yeah. going to have speed. I, I think this is the time to pounce on Josh Berry. Um, another guy that I can't wait to see. How about this? How about this? Group G at Caesars. Four cars. Hemrick, Haley, Zane Smith, and Josh Williams. And Josh Williams is plus 380. And all the others are plus 210. Zane Smith's in that... Um, Spire. Spire car. Haley's in a Hemrick's Rick in the, And yeah, Hemrick's Josh yeah. Williams' teammate. Yeah. That's probably the best I bet. Mean, yeah, gun to head, I'm betting that right now. Yeah, I mean, they all if should I be much to, closer to... to make a bet right now. They all should be much closer to three to one. Um, Josh Williams was much closer to making it into the clash than Daniel Hemrick was, if I remember correctly. I need to look up uh, the clash. Clash at the Coliseum. Report here. Starting lineup, um, no Daniel Hemrick, so Hemrick didn't make it. Qualifying results, Josh Williams out-qualified Daniel Hemrick by nine positions despite having a worse group to go out in. Like, we know that's – okay, and we're going to talk about the 36 for 36, but that's why I picked Daniel Hemrick because he sucks. So where does he suck the least at a super speedway? Um, But anyway, Josh Williams plus 380 in Group G is a solid bet. He has probably the best chance of winning that group. I think I might. Him or, him or Zane Smith might. You know, like I mean, Haley does mm-hmm. too. Obviously, we like Haley here, but like this, this whole group is a four-way coin flip, which means everybody should be plus three hundred. We're getting plus three eighty on Josh Williams. Yeah, I'm going to think about that a little bit more. But right now, my gut's saying just bet it. Yeah, yeah, minus two. I'm not, I haven't bet it yet. I'm just thinking like. I kind of feel like it's a good bet. Yeah. Hmm. Um, hmm. Any other tips you have for, for Atlanta when it comes to DFS or betting, especially, especially coming right after Daytona because this, yeah. So that remember how I mentioned has, the pole sitter has been in the optimal lineup twice. Yeah. If we look at the rest of the top 10, it's not as good. Um, in the top, there's, again, four races. So the top 20 in DraftKings points over four races, meaning around five per race, has only had one other top 10 starter. And that was uh, Ross Chastain, who started seventh in the first Atlanta race in 2022. And he remember, he led a bunch of laps there as well. Um, so the idea is you got to grab a guy who leads a bunch of laps if you're starting inside the top 10. So it's that still applies. The problem is who's going to lead the bunch of laps? We don't know. You know what I mean? Um, it was, if we just sort by laps led, it was the pole sitters twice that we talked about. Mm-hmm. It was William and Byron in, in, in 2022, number one, uh, instead of, Ross. Now Ross still still did lead 42 and ended up in in what would be considered probably an optimal lineup. But Byron started 12th. Um, And then after that, 
there was a there was a race the 2023 second Atlanta race. The most laps led was 46 by a single driver, mm-hmm. which was Eric Almirola. So it still was does race. Yeah, go ahead. A lot of people had issues in that race. I think. Yeah, like tires. That and and the first 2022 race, a lot of people had tire issues. Um. So which was the, the race Byron won. So I was looking as like right before you started talking about laps led, I was doing the exact same thing. I was looking at laps led and I was going to ask you, we don't focus on dominators at Daytona or Talladega. I feel like we need to at Atlanta because three of the but four we need races to focus on one dominator, one, one dominator because one three of the four races, Atlanta. three of the four races has had a driver lead 96 or more laps, mm-hmm. exactly. which is a, a yeah. Uh, and then, like you said, the other one was 46 with Almirola, but also the pole sitter. So pole yep. sitter has led the most laps in three three of the four Atlanta races. The pole sitter has led the most laps. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's it's interesting that that's the case because we, we definitely have to consider the pole sitter. We have to consider um, place differential, but – Outside of whoever leads the most laps in Atlanta, the front of the field doesn't do a ton. I, obviously, some can, but you still want to stack the teens and the 20s in this, mm-hmm. and mostly the 20s, right? If I look again, if I just go to the uh, top 20 point scores at Atlanta races, um, it is uh, – it's not fair technically because of the number of laps in a race, but um, – one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, I think it is. Seven out of the 20 started 20th or, or started inside the top 19, right? So I count like 20 is 20th or worse. Um, so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah. So still more than half the field is starting 20th or worse um, in the top scorers. Um, but it, once you get past that, then all of a sudden there's a, a four, a two, a nine, a five, uh, all that stuff. So it does get a little bit interesting in terms of starting position. Uh, but just wanted to wanted to point that out that this isn't as as much of the same as a Daytona or a Talladega, uh, but still, as far as like the very front, it's kind of the same outside of find the dominator, the one dominator, right. Uh, I'm stupid, by the way. Remember I asked you uh, how important practice is at Atlanta? Yes, there is I no fucking that. practice at Atlanta. Well, there you go. <laughs> they, they don't practice at Atlanta. Well, that shows how stupid I am, too, because I didn't think to be like, there's no practice. Yeah, because I went back um, to last year. And I, was, I wanted to look up practice speeds, and I was like, there's no practice speeds. Like, maybe they got rained out. And I'm like, shit, they don't practice at Atlanta. And then looking up this weekend's schedule, there's no practice. They're just qualifying it on Saturday morning. So... Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. My bad. Hey, here's what it is. I didn't catch you. <laughs> yeah. Alright. You got anything, any other tips for Atlanta? We, it's hard for us to do anything right now, because with Monday race lines are a little bit slower to come out and yeah it is a little harder really give um, anything really bet mgm does have uh odds out as well for outrights only um i'm gonna give a shout out to bet mgm they've been putting out some 
low holds and some good odds uh, so far this year, not just for the clash, but um, the duels or sorry, not for just for the 500, but for the duels in the clash as well. So something to keep an eye on there. Uh, the question is just how much money can you get down there? <laughs> it's right. always the struggle, but um, in Vegas for me, it's not too bad. And Vegas has gone to the all other states model. Um, it used to be BetMGM Vegas was different from BetMGM all other states, but now BetMGM Vegas uses the same, or Nevada, I should say, uses all the same as the other states. So uh, if I see a BetMGM line, it's the same one that's available to me. I don't have to drive over to Arizona or uh, do anything like that. So um, yeah, get a little shout out to BetMGM there for for some solid lines. Ricky Stenhouse, 45 this, to 1. I mean, remember yeah. he was leading Atlanta and lost a tire or something in the very first uh-huh. Atlanta race. Uh, I don't hate Ricky Stenhouse, 45 to 1. Yeah, a couple things I've noticed here looking at BetMGM. One is the Stenhouse line. Uh, two is um, they have Bubba at 22, which is a little bit longer than Caesars at 20. They have Jones at 30. They have Josh Berry at 35, whereas everybody else has him at 80. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. Did you see uh did you see Greg Mathern's tweet? Um Bet Fred had John Hunter Nemechek at nine to one. <laughs> that was <laughs> that was some bullshit. We, I think we've they heard, meant we've 90. Heard of fat yeah, we've heard of fat fingers. I think someone skinny fingered that one and forgot yeah, a zero. Exactly. Straight up forgot a, a, a number there. And we gotta wrap up the um, podcast soon. I'm my my beer box is empty. <laughs> beer box. <laughs> I have uh, some wine upstairs. Get- uh it's not Luvabella wine, but I have some wine upstairs. I'm still like I said, we're waiting on the, the good stuff from uh from our sponsor here to to arrive and we'll definitely taste test it all. Yeah, it should be coming this week, I believe. I think it shipped today. Uh, for you or me. for both of us? I think both of us. Uh, okay, I, have to I haven't seen anything. Um, and that's not okay. a bad thing. That's just I haven't seen or heard anything. My, I'm also really bad about checking messages, emails, whatever. Like I'm literally the worst at it. So it's possible I missed something. Yeah. Uh, we're going to get to 36 for 36. New segment yes. this week. Yes. Started on Twitter. You tweet. You tw- you DM me. I think about twenty minutes before the race. Yeah, on Monday. exactly. And you're like, "Hey, we need to play this game and get it started." Well, because so we you know, Steve Luvender tweeted it out about twenty minutes before race time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, how do you just tweet it out then? But anyway, uh, mm-hmm. so if those who don't know, this game, thirty six chartered cars. You can pick them once per, once each per per race this season. So thirty six mm-hmm. races. You pick all thirty six. Yeah. Um, one time the whole season. Yep. So you got to kind of plan it out. Yeah. So first week, Nick went with the number 31 of Daniel Hemrick, uh, scored 21 points. I went with the number 15 of Riley Herbst at Daytona. He scored 13 points. So that is the total right now. And we're on to week number two, Atlanta. Um, let me pull up the, I already know who I'm going to pick, but I need to look at the entry list. See, I was I was gonna go Josh Williams, but he's in the 16, and I want to save the 16 for for an Almendinger uh, road course. For an Almendinger yeah. road course. Yeah. Uh, shit. Good thing I double checked that. Uh, 
man. Seventy-eight's not a chartered car. No. I'm gonna I'm gonna do something I might regret, but I'm gonna stay on the Justin Haley train and I'm gonna go fifty-one. Justin Haley for Atlanta. For me, it's between Justin Haley and Corey LaJoy, and I don't know which one I'm going to yep. go. So I'm literally going to go to random.org, uh, and number one will be Justin Haley, and number two will be Corey LaJoy. And uh, I'm going to click generate number two. So I'm taking Corey LaJoy as my 36 for 36 at Atlanta. If we look at LaJoy last year, uh, or last two years even, it, just in the next-gen era, his only top 10 finishes have come at Atlanta, Atlanta, mm-hmm. Talladega, and Daytona. So I have mm-hmm. to use him at one of these, right? Like, that's just kind of where you have to. And uh, so I, I have no issue using it on Corey LaJoy here. Definitely like, uh, oh, and then Daytona, of course, yesterday, uh, or a couple days ago. Yeah, yesterday. I'm, my days are all confused. Um, so... You kind of just have to use him in the super speedway track. So I'll take Corey LaJoy, but was 100% leaning Justin Haley going into this and then decided when I thought about it more, maybe I should take Corey LaJoy. Now, Jordan, we should talk about our strategy for Daytona because um, we didn't get to. But for me, Daniel Hemrick sucks, right? Like, mm-hmm. he's not a good driver. Um, if we look at Daniel Hemrick, he raced for Richard goddamn Childress Racing in his only full-time <laughs> season in Cup. And he had two top 10 finishes. One was at Talladega, which is a super speedway. The other was at Pocono, um, which, you know, kudos to him for that. Congrats on your only other top 10. He just sucks. And now he's in arguably worse equipment than Richard Childress Racing. I would say almost definitely worse equipment than Rotolis Racing. Um, as much as Colleg does a great job, I don't think they are RCR. So you kind of just have to play him at the Super Speedways. Now, yes, he did have a ninth at Auto Club Speedway in 2022, but remember what happened in that race? There was like 8 billion restarts at the end, and everybody was wrecking. It was one of the first... It was the second race in the next-gen car. People were losing wheels left and right. Tyler Reddick's dominating the race, popping tires, and... Um, you know, we're not in that situation anymore. Uh, so to me, my best chance at a top 10 with Daniel Hemrick is at one of these super speedways. And I actually was going to guess when I made my pick and obviously notified you and we all had short notice. I just had a gut feeling you were going to take Riley Herbst and I wanted to differentiate myself uh, from the Riley Herbst. Now, obviously, I'm differentiating myself from Justin Haley this week, but it's only because uh, it was a coin flip between Haley and, and LaJoy, and I literally flipped a coin. Uh, but I, I chose Hemrick over Herbst just because I wanted to be different from you. Yeah, that was my mindset, similar mindset for Daytona. I want, like It's such a crapshoot. I'm not going to waste any big-name driver at Daytona. Uh, no. and Herbst, I liked Herbst overall. Uh, I like that quasi-Stuart Haas car that he was racing. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and same yeah. mindset here. I want I don't want to waste any top tier talent. My other my my initial gut, but when when I was thinking about this earlier tonight, who I was going to go with, I was going to go with Hosevar because I like the the Spire cars. Yeah. Um Hosevar or Zane Smith. But 
I kind of want to see how they get better throughout the year. Exactly. So I'm going to save them. And that's why I'm sticking with Justin Haley. Hostbar had some solid results last year. I know he ran the yep. 42 mostly, but like that kid is as much as he loses his brain. A lot of the times he's still really talented. We have to admit that, right? Like we always talk about it. He's young Ross Chastain, younger Ross Chastain. Um, mm-hmm. He has a lot of, he has a lot of upside. So I, I didn't think it made a lot of sense to use, Host of our at the Daytona 500. I wanted to get Daniel Hemrick out of the way. I don't want to think about him the rest of the year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what's you know what's going to be interesting though with this game is, I mean, we're obviously going to have to start using the top tier guys, mm-hmm. and we're making these picks on Tuesday without yeah. seeing practice, without seeing qualifying. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be locking those picks in with top tier guys that we're not going to be able to use the rest of the year. Before seeing any of that, this yeah. is going to be get really interesting next week, starting with at Las Vegas on yeah. what our strategies do become. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Gets super interesting the, at this point. Like, yeah, I can tell you right now, I don't know because I don't know how these cars are going to run at an intermediate track, yep. especially with the new Ford body, the new Toyota body, uh, all that stuff. I don't fucking know. Uh, and maybe mention, the safe play, like. I have no problem talking strategy with you because while we're competing against each other, we're also trying to help people. Um, yeah. You know, if you're playing this game yourself or just whatever, uh, I feel like Chevy is the safe pick because we know Chevy right now at this point. So a Chevy is arguably a safe pick, but then their strategy comes into play. Is there an upside pick with Ford or Toyota driver? So, yeah. And, and here's the mindset, you know, looking at these 36 cars. Yeah. We have, two Atlanta races, two Talladega races, and two Daytona races. And then obviously road courses, which we're going to save. I'm, I'm personally, I'm going to save Chase Elliott, Michael McDowell, Tyler Reddick for road courses. Of course. Um, yeah, you have to. And make those. But we still have guys like Austin Sindrick, Austin Dillon, um, the lower you tier guys. save Austin Sindrick almost Priest. though for a road course as well because yeah, he's terrible yeah. everywhere else. <laughs> but then again, he, he – um, you know, road courses, he's shown basically super speedway esque finishes where he's either mm-hmm. really good or really bad. Like, yeah, yeah. So this is going to this is going to be an interesting game going throughout the year. And, and oh, yeah, this who is you save to the end, who you save like, to the end. Like, obviously, it's one of those like Kyle Larson, you can play him anywhere. But where is the best place to play him? Uh, similar yeah. for like a, a Denny Hamlin or Martin Truex Jr. or William Byron. Like, where's the best place to play these guys? And that's where you need to and, kind of playing that out and i like to so like my strategy with a game like this is i like to be able to see a race or two prior to like really getting aggressive so i'm I'm probably mm-hmm. going to be pretty conservative with my las vegas pick but here's the thing after atlanta we go to las vegas we go to phoenix we go to bristol and then we go to coda uh-huh. intermediate track short track or flat short track with with phoenix short track at bristol and then road course Four completely mm-hmm. different track types entirely. And then we go to oh, Richmond, yeah. which which is, you know, a reverse well, Phoenix, it's another... but it's also super high wear. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's not Phoenix. It's just not. Yeah. Martinsville might be uh, the first one where we kind of like feel a little more comfortable. Mm-hmm. This is gonna be a fun game. I like this. It is, it so, is. I, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. So Atlanta picks 36 for 36 picks. Justin Haley for me. Corey LaJoy for Nick. 
And we are on to our picks to win. Jordan, you're, 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 you're done with Rick Royal Racing for the year. <laughs> Just pointing that out. I am. I am. Ooh, <laughs> That's a good yes. feeling, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> so there's always out, that to... Get the shit boxes out of the way early. Yeah, exactly. Going on the the other spectrum of things, we're picking a winner now because we know Justin Haley ain't winning this race. So, who is or, your or pick is to win? Who? Um. So it's Atlanta, and I'm gonna look back at the, just the Atlanta winners, right? So who has won Atlanta in the last couple? years the last two years the next gen era and we know obviously chase elliott joey logano william byron and william byron mm-hmm. those aren't exactly um small names right some pretty pretty household names look who's finished second daniel suarez ross chastain brad keselowski ross chastain uh look who's finished third it gets a little more interesting there. AJ Allmendinger, Kurt Busch, but it was in a 23-11. Christopher Bell, mm-hmm. Austin Cindric. So some of these guys still can win. Um, you know, Daniel Suarez is not your race winner every week type guy. But he finished second. AJ Allmendinger is not your win every week unless it's a road course or potentially a super speedway. Um, Kurt Busch later in his career is similar. Like he would win one race a year. Austin Cindric, we get that. Uh, look at fourth place, Corey LaJoy. Eric Jones, Michael McDowell. Those aren't guys winning races every week. Look at uh, – and Daniel Suarez. Fifth place, Corey LaJoy, Kyle Busch, Tyler Reddick, Ryan Blaney. It's like some more – a little more household names. But you get the idea. A lot of guys finishing in the top five aren't the most household names, yet the winners have been household names. But I think there's still a decent chance that at some point, you know, uh, one of these lesser household names is going to win – and the guy who's finished second twice here and who almost won the Daytona 500 is Ross Jastain. So he's my pick to win. You know what's funny? Is he your I pick had, to win too? I, no. I oh. So I picked I picked him last week. Right, right. I picked Jastain last week. Uh, and I had one guy in mind the entire time. I didn't care if you picked him as well. I was going to pick him. Uh-huh. And it's the guy that you picked last week. I think Byron Byron. goes back to back and wins for a third time at Atlanta. That's so So, we just flipped our picks from last week. I love it. Yep. But I will say, I think like there's a lot of good picks here, like Jones, Stenhouse, uh, you know, uh, whoever the fuck, I don't care. Um, I think Logano has to be up there. Um, Oh yeah. I agree with Logano very strongly. Strong as that car was at Daytona. Kozlowski has to be up there. I could see Logano dominating this race again, especially after he Bubba, did honestly, this exact I like race Bubba last year. I think this is a good Bubba race too. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I just I felt like going with Ross because uh, it was after seeing Daytona, after knowing he's finished second twice here, um, just yeah. kind of was was calling my name. Uh, he feels I wouldn't say do. That's the wrong word to use, but it's he's a, in the it's a good car sp- this week as well. Which I feel like he runs better with. Man, you're like, like, you're like Mr. Paint Scheme guy. Oh, oh, yeah. I I don't don't pay attention to any of that shit. I did the math on auto owners, Truex. I know you did. 100% fucking true. 
I did the same math with um I did the same math. I think it was Truex with day versus night races and he yeah. was statistically <laughs> significant in one versus the other. I can't remember which it was because it was like four years ago, but um yeah. There there have been some really wild Truex splits, whether it's paint schemes or day night or this, that, or the yeah. other. Yep. No, I love looking at stuff like that. Um, especially the Truex thing. Um, it's just it's fun to me. But yeah. another thing is the 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 car that Christopher Bell usually runs. Um, uh-huh. Some of the other JGR guys, the Reesers or Reese, whatever. Yeah, yeah. The art like, that mean. car always performs like shit. Always, Truex runs it sometimes. It's always performs uh, like, like I shit. Don't, I don't even know. Like I don't care. I don't know. I don't. That's never <laughs> See, been remember, a thing to me. <laughs> I remember stuff like that. That's just how my brain works. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh. I I still like. The Indy cars, you know, they pretty much, barring a couple races a year, depending on certain situations, they they run the same thing all year. Mm. And that, you know, reminds me of the good old days. I was watching the 2010 uh, Daytona 500, and Kelsey and I were like, man, look at all these, like, just brand name sponsors that just ran yep. that car every week all year. Like, it was amazing. Um, we're so far away from that. It's wild. It's wild. Yeah, Even like 2010. Week, that's not that long ago. Like that's that's in the digital um, cell phone, almost Twitter. I mean, technically Twitter age. Twitter started in eight or nine, I think, eight, seven, eight, something like that. Because um, I my first Twitter account was made shortly after. Like that's still pretty damn. Like Keselowski in the twenty. 20- 12 Daytona 500 was tweeting about the jet dryer. And I thought, you know, everybody thought Chris Buescher was going to win because uh, there was another jet dryer incident uh, on Monday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, it's just one of those I think, things. I think the drivers, any of them that are closest to, to running the same paint scheme every week would be, Alex Bowman in the Ally car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Denny Hamlin with FedEx. Obviously Denny Hamlin. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Larson with Hendrick cars. Yep. That blue and blue and silver one. And then I'd throw Logano in there with Shell. Uh, yeah. Like Logano's pretty hefty the on the Shell, but it's not it's not the same as like Hamlin with yeah. FedEx or some of these other guys. I would say um, Bowman Bowman Ally is probably number one. If not if not Hamlin. Yeah. Now I'm gonna have to like go and do all the math. Yeah, I don't know. Out. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't deal with all that. But I do I'm miss the that. days of just like primary sponsor. All the if same. Not, yep. If not 36 races, 34 or five of them. You know, the special yep. one or two off deals. I, I do miss those days. Um, you know, Jimmy Johnson yeah, was, was every week was just a thing. Yep. Yep. I was at a flea market um, last week, and it. Uh, there's a bunch of old, older, um, like 164th model cars. Yeah, and it was it was fun just seeing all the sponsors. Like, somebody watching the race. I mean, I still have, I still have a, uh, a gift for you. I haven't given it to you. I need. We need to hang out again soon. When are you come to Vegas? <laughs> I got flight credit to use. I need to find a time to get out I'll there. Say, I have a, I have a gift for you when we're we're talking about diecasts and shit like that. Yeah, I have to get out there. It reminded me. <laughs> Come to the Vegas race. No, I'm just kidding. I, I, uh, Don't tell me. I, I've um, done that before. I've I've been like, I want to go to Vegas, and then next day I'm on a flight. So yeah, flight. No, I um, 
I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. I'm looking forward to kicking your ass in the 36 for 36, <laughs> but I'm also looking forward to actually hanging out with you again. <laughs> yeah. You probably are going to kick my ass in that. I don't, I don't do I, well in those. I don't plan stuff the shit like out that. Though. Like for NFL survivor, I used to, um, but this I'm not, I'm not planning out. I'm just kind of winging it every week. We're having fun. Yeah. All right. That's going to wrap us up this week. Stacking Denny's. we got Atlanta coming up before we get to Vegas race. So, Go William Byron at Atlanta. Let's go two for two to start the year. And if not William Byron, let's see Chastain take it. So yeah, or let's see Josh Williams finish top Toyota. I mean top Chevy. That'd, that'd be <laughs> awesome. Be even more impressive if he, if he was top Toyota. <laughs> what the fuck is it? What? Okay, now I'm curious what his odds to winner. Um, uh, I saw 150 to one. Yeah, if he's top Chevy, like there's non-zero chance he's winning this race. Corey LaJoy almost won this race. All right. Well, something to consider as we sign off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. All right. See you, everybody. Good luck this weekend. Hopefully we get some more winners this week, and we'll be back next week to talk about Vegas. See you all.